All right, so Tate, come up here. You weren't here last week, so you don't know what that means. But it means you do get the $10. That also means you have to read some scripture for us. So, yeah, Ashton got it last week, and she did a good job. So, all right. Here's the question, the important question of the night. How many of you guys, how many of you guys like to sleep? All right, here's the question. What is your preferred sleep schedule? Not the one you actually have. What's the one you would like to have? Yes. All the time. Yes. Midnight to 2 p.m., so 14 hours a day. What is your preferred sleep schedule? Not the one you actually have. What would you like to have? Use that. Midnight to 10. No, like if you could just pick any sleep schedule and still, I mean, you know, whatever. If you could pick your sleep schedule and still manage to do all the things you need to do, like, reasonably. Midnight to 10, midnight to 1, plus a nap. Midnight to 10 plus a nap. Yes. You don't want to sleep ever? That's weird. Yes, ma'am. Midnight to midnight. Yes. 7.30 7.30 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon? Okay. Well, I, anyways. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about sleep, which is awesome. We, I love sleep. And uh, Tate is going to read. I got, I got kicked out of AR, so. All right. That was because you cheated, not because you can't read. All right. Tate is going to read our first section of Scripture. Then Jesus went to his disciples to, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He, he took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father... If it is responsible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When you came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away for one more, for once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the sun of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So, now we're going to read another quick, another, actually no, let me, let me talk about that real quick. All right, so let's summarize that story. Jesus knows he's about to die, he's about to be crucified. This is on Thursday night before 
He cruci- he cru- he's crucified and dies on Friday. They go to this garden, which throughout the New Testament and throughout the Gospels, Jesus and the disciples go to this garden of Gethsemane, okay? It's not unusual for them to go there. And so it's on the Mount of Olives. It's at the base of the Mount of Olives where they spend a lot of time. So they go to this garden that they're all very familiar with. He's like, all right, you guys hang here, and then we're going to pray. And so he takes James, Peter, James, and John. James and John are the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And uh, he takes them. We know those are like his, his, his inner circle, his tightest crew. He takes them a little further away and says, all right, guys, stay here and pray with me while I pray. Okay, because it's about to get intense is what he knows. So he goes away and prays a little bit. And, and in another one of the uh, gospel accounts, it actually says that he was, so, he was praying so intensely and he was so uh, stressed out by what was happening that he actually sweated blood. Now, I have been stressed in my life. I've never been that stressed. Anybody ever been that stressed that you sweated blood? Lies. You actually sweated blood? Okay. Okay. I'm talking about literally sweating blood. That is something that I don't think any of us has ever experienced. And uh, so he goes away, and he's having this intense prayer session. Man, he's getting after it, you know. And he's like, God, if there's any other way for this to happen without me having to go through this horrific death, that would be awesome, but your will be done. He comes back, and what are the disciples doing? They're sleeping. They're not praying like he asked them to be. They're sleeping. They are not very concerned, okay? So Jesus comes back. He does it again. He does it three times every time he comes back, and he finds them sleeping. These guys apparently did not pay attention to Jesus earlier when he predicted his own death, or they're just dumb and not figuring out what's happening here because Jesus is really concerned over this event that's about to happen, and Peter, James, and John and the disciples are not very worried, Okay? Now, let's look at another scripture real quick. Matthew, same book, chapter 8. It says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now, I was on a plane yesterday, I was flying back from Houston, and we had a little bit of turbulence. You ever been on a plane with turbulence? Okay. And, you know, you get that little pit in your stomach, like it starts to shake and your stomach kind of, like you're not really freaking out yet, but you just get that little like pit in your stomach. Okay, this is way worse than that, right? These guys are in a boat where the waves are washing over the boat. This is like the perfect storm kind of stuff, you know. And so it's funny when we read this stuff, we hear them saying, you know, they say to him, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. In my head I hear, Jesus, we're going to die. You know, they're freaking out. They're losing their brains because this boat is about to go down. This boat is about to go over. And they're like, seriously, we're going to die. They were pro- And these are fishermen, man. For fishermen to get freaked out is hard. Remember, Peter and James and John were fishermen. These are experienced guys. They're used to being on the boat. Their dad was a fisherman. They, a lot of these guys have spent their whole lives on boats. So for them to be that freaked out, it must have been a pretty serious storm. Okay, this is a hardcore, you know, superstorm, uh, day after tomorrow kind of storm. So that happens there. And uh, in my imagine, they're all like uh, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby, Jesus, Oprah Winfrey, Tom Cruise. You know, that whole thing is underwear. Anyways, uh, I wrote that down so I'd remember to mention that. And I almost forgot anyways. I know, I'm glad you are too. So he replied to them. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. So, scenario number one, Jesus is so stressed out and overcome with emotion, he's literally sweating blood. 
Disciples are asleep. Scenario number two. Disciples are freaking out, losing their brains, puking over the side of the boat. Jesus is asleep. He's like, guys, calm down. Why are you so afraid? And they're like, what do you mean, why are you so afraid? You know, they're losing their brains. So I find this interesting because it tells me that even the disciples, Jesus' 12 closest friends on, his, on this earth, uh, he spent three years walking with him, living with Jesus, learning with him. You know, these guys were close to Jesus, but even they had not yet developed the heart of Jesus where they were concerned about what he was concerned about. See, he... See, we don't fall asleep when we're really worried, right? You ever, like, have a big test and you can't sleep the night before? Yeah? One of the reasons I knew I was supposed to quit my job when I was teaching was because I would literally, like, be half awake and half dreaming about my to-do list during the night. Like, I literally, I would, like, dream my to-do list. And I'm like, you know, that can't be healthy for me because I wasn't sleeping good, and I love my sleep. And, uh, and so that was part of the reason. Now, if you're in school and you're doing that, not much you can do about it. Sorry, you got to finish school. But, uh, you know, like that kind of stress, we don't sleep well when we're really stressed, right? What do your teachers tell you? A lot of you guys just took the tar- star test. How many of you guys had a teacher the day before the test tell you, now make sure you get a good night's sleep? I've had teachers tell me that my whole life, right? And you can't because you're stressed out about the test, right? I've been there. So we know that the disciples did not sleep in the storm, but they did sleep right before the crucifixion. What were the disciples concerned about? Their own lives. Okay? Themselves. Yeah. They were worried in the boat. They were very concerned. They could not sleep because they were very concerned that their earthly lives were going to end, which is a reasonable concern. I mean, you know, in that situation, a bad storm like that, I can kind of understand that. But... What was Jesus concerned with when he was getting ready to die? Or, when, you know, when he was coming up to the situation? Yes. She's reading my notes again. Yes, Jesus was concerned with eternity. She's, she's the only one actually using the you version, I can tell, because she always knows the answers to the questions, because I do put them on there. Uh, no, I, I want you to look at the you version. That's why it's there. Yes, Jesus is concerned with eternity. He's about to take on the sins of the world. He's about to die a horrific death, the kind of death that they have to invent new words to describe the pain. And he is concerned about that. Okay, he's not necessarily worried about his earthly life, although he probably is. And he says, I don't really want to do this, God. But he is more concerned with with the spiritual weight of what he's about to do. But the disciples are concerned about their physical lives. They're worried about the material. Okay, see, they missed this whole stressful thing right before the crucifixion because they hadn't been paying attention to what Jesus was saying. And so here's the thing. Here's kind of the big point of tonight. I'm going to go ahead and get to it. And that is this. Unlike the disciples, we have to be concerned with the things that Jesus is concerned about, okay? I asked Audrey to sing the song Hosanna tonight because it includes one of my favorite lines in all of praise and worship, and that is where in the bridge it says, break my heart for what breaks yours, okay? And see, that's a, that's a line that, you know, if God's heart is breaking, ours should be too, right? If God's heart is broken over something, then ours should be too, and and I know that nobody's perfect, and man, there's a lot of times when I'm like, when I don't feel like that, but that should be, that's, you know, that should be our prayer every day is, Lord, help me be concerned about the things that you are concerned about. Okay, so what should we not be worried about? Matthew 6, 31 and 32 says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This is Jesus talking in Matthew 6, and he says, listen. Don't be concerned with just earthly, trivial things. 
What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? And don't get me wrong. I am a big fan of eating, and uh, I know that the decision of what to eat is, is, is a big deal, but Jesus is saying, you know what? It's really not the end of the world, okay? Pick a place to eat and go eat, you know? I mean, it, you know, it's kind of simple. Don't be so concerned about what are you going to have to drink today? What are you going to wear? He says, don't worry. Your heavenly Father knows you. He's going to take care of you. He's, he got you covered. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. If he watches after the little birds, he's going to watch me. There's another place in the Bible where it says, even the lilies of the field, even these little bitty plants have their clothing, have their flowers. How much more important are we? God's going to take care of us. Okay, we don't have to worry about that. Now, I, I, I found it interesting when I was, was studying for this because the verse after this is super popular. Okay, when we were little kids in like Sunday school, we sang a song about it. Um, but, but, but the, when you read it in context with those two verses, the next verse is even cooler. It says, but seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. Remember that song? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Am I the only one who sang that? Wes doesn't even know that. Man, I feel weird now. Okay, never mind that, but... Uh, I remember it. And his righteousness. Anyways. Yeah, that's awkward now. But uh, so he's saying, listen, I know your natural inclination is to be concerned about this world and the things you're going to wear and the things you're going to eat and making sure you're clothed and fed. But don't worry. God's going to take care of that. He says, instead, seek first, make your first priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God will take care of the rest. See, all these things, that's the food and the clothing and that kind of stuff. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we'll get, and yeah, and the rest of this stuff, you'll get on top of it. It'll be awesome. So, then we have to ask the question, okay, what does it mean by the kingdom of God? Okay, what does it mean by the kingdom of God? Anybody know what was Jesus's, what did Jesus tell us to do? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Okay, there's other versions in Acts that talks about you will be my witnesses in Judea, or Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? He's saying, listen, here's the primary objective. Here's the first thing you need to be seeking, and that is go tell people about me. And then I'll make sure you get fed. I'll make sure you get, you know, that you get clothed. Man, there are countless stories of, of great missionaries and, and that kind of stuff who, who went to, you know, follow the call of God without knowing where their next meal was going to come from. In fact, uh, some of y'all might even know Earl. He's the youth pastor over at First Baptist down the street. He was on the trip with me this week, and he was telling me that uh, when he had graduated college and his wife had just got married, he was about to go to seminary. He was going to follow the call of God. He was going to go to seminary to become a pastor. And when he was driving to the seminary, he was literally like he had moved out of his house, he and his wife, and they were driving to the school uh, where he was going to learn how to be a pastor. And he did not know while he was driving whether or not he was going to be able to pay for school. Like he thought, I might have to wash dishes this whole time. Okay? And uh, while he was driving... The money came through, there was, you know, so he got sponsored and that kind of thing, and he's able to do it. But he took that step of faith, he took that leap, he moved out, he packed up his moving truck, and he dr started driving to Louisville um, from Florida, I think he's from South Florida, driving from South Florida to Kentucky, saying, all right, Lord, I know you want me to go to this seminary, I'm trusting you for the rest. And God did. Okay, God, say what? He did, actually. He went to the one we stayed at, and I just figured that out yesterday, he and I were talking, the, yeah, the one that we stayed at. He actually worked at the pool there. 
that we swim in. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so that is what Jesus is telling us. What did Jesus himself, he, he said what, Jesus said, I came to do this. Anybody know what it is Jesus came to do? To seek and save the lost. Somebody else found the U version I see. John 10.10 10 says, uh, um, yeah, it is. John 10.10, 10, and it says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came. Oh, no, that's a different one. I'm sorry. I got my wrong verse. Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I didn't put John 10.10 10 up there. You're right, Harley. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life and give it to the full, or life more abundant. I thought about that one, but I decided not to put it on. So here's the thing. Jesus said, you know, we're talking about this, okay, we need to focus on what Jesus is focusing on. We need to sleep when Jesus sleeps and be awake when he's awake. So Jesus is concerned with eternity. He's concerned with go and make disciples. He's concerned with, I came to seek and save the lost. Okay? So now the question. Here's kind of the big, the crux of tonight. Is number one, have you been concerned with the same things Jesus is? And then number two, and this is where it ties into to next week, who is the person in your life that Jesus is concerned with right now? Who's the lost? It says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Who in your mind is the lost? Like you know somebody, you're friends with somebody, you're friends with maybe several people who are the lost. And so tonight that is what we're going to kind of hone in on as we close here. I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I want you to visualize somebody in your mind. It could be one person, could be a couple people, I don't know. Okay, and, and I want you to kind of, we're going to narrow the focus a little bit. Make it somebody kind of in your age range. Okay, make it somebody who's kind of, you know, in the teenage age range. And if you have family members and uncles and aunts or whatever that need to be, that need to meet Jesus, that's cool too. But uh, tonight we're going to focus on people in your age range. Because that's who you're going to be most effective reaching, is people in your age range. And so I want you to picture that person right now in your mind. I want you to just quietly... Begin praying, God, break my heart for them. Which is a weird prayer. I don't know if you've ever prayed that before. But God, break my heart for them. Every time you see them, we know that Jesus' heart breaks for the lost. He wants to see the lost come to him. Every time we see that person, our heart should break a little for them. We should be concerned about them. Maybe you see them in class. Maybe you see them in the hallways. Maybe you have lunch with them. God, break our hearts for those people. Break our hearts for those people. Now, keeping your eyes closed, I want you to listen to me for a couple minutes. Next week, I already talked about it, it's Bring a Buddy Week. Okay? The $20, that's just bait. Okay, $20 is bait. You tell your friend, hey, come to youth. You can go, you can come, you can go home with $20, and that's a bunch of meals depending on where you go. Dollar menu at McDonald's, you can get like eight meals for 20 bucks. I I ate lunch for three twenty five today at the dollar menu at McDonald's. So the twenty dollars that I'm going to give away next Wednesday, that's you know that's that's just fishing, man. That's throwing the bait in the water. Here, come get the twenty dollars. They might go home with twenty bucks, and we'll feed them. They come early, we'll feed them dinner. So twenty dollars and, and and a meal, not a bad not a bad way to get somebody here. But the important part about next week 
is that the message is going to be a straightforward gospel presentation. We're going to give them the opportunity to meet Jesus for the first time. And you say, you know what, I've invited them to church before and they never came. Invite them again. You say, they've, they even, maybe they even came and they heard the gospel, but they didn't walk the aisle. They didn't accept Jesus. Bring them again. They say, statistics say it takes a person between, like I think it's like seven to ten hearings of the gospel before a person accepts it in America today. So maybe you're number two, okay, and you're setting the table for somebody later who's going to be number seven or whatever. But you know what? Maybe there's been six other people before you who've set the table. Scripture says the fields are ripe for harvest, and maybe there's been other people who plowed the ground, and there's been other people who, who have prayed for them, and there's been other people who have, been, who have planted the seeds. Or maybe you have done all that work too, and this is your chance to get that harvest, to pick that fruit, to see that person come to know Jesus. There's 13 of us here tonight. If everybody brings one, that's 26. I would love that. Okay, it's 13 people tonight. would love to see 26 people here next week. That would be awesome. Because that would be 13 people who may have never heard the gospel, who, have the, who are going to have the opportunity to meet Jesus for the first time. Okay, we're going to watch a video next week, and it's a pretty cool video, and, and we're going you know, to play the games, we're going to do the Easter egg hunt thing, and they're going to have a good time. But the most important thing is going to be at the end give that gospel message. And so what I want you guys to do right now and for the rest of this week is pray for that person. God, soften their heart. God, let them be receptive to the invitation. Maybe it's somebody you've asked a bunch of times. You never know when something's going to change. At First Priority, a few months ago, we had a girl in a lunch who, uh, she had a friend named Nathaniel. Nathaniel goes to church across the street here. Nathaniel had been inviting this girl to First Priority and to church for literally years. They had been friends for years, and he had been inviting her and inviting her. She'd always said no. And uh, she stood up one day in First Priority. It was, it was overcome week, and she, was, she wanted to share her story. She said, she said, Nathaniel's been inviting me for years to church and to First Priority and stuff, and I always said no. And she said this. She said, a couple weeks ago, my grandfather died. And she said, I found his Bible that he had carried with him when he was a prisoner of war in World War II. She said, and I started reading his Bible. And this week when Nathaniel invited me to first priority, I knew I had to say yes. Now, I don't know if that girl, I don't know that we've seen her since then. I don't know if she's been going to church with Nathaniel. It, it doesn't really matter. Because the point is this. You don't know what's going on in that person's life that might be the, the light switch that convinces them to say yes this time. You don't know what that thing is going on in their life. You don't know what's going on at home necessarily. You don't know what's going on at, you know, in, in some of their classes. Whatever it may be, there's something going, there could be going, something going on inside of them that God is going to use to bring them into church to convince them to say yes this time. So let's pray, and, and I'm going to pray for you guys and we're going to close. But I want you to think about that as we leave here tonight and as you go this week. Who am I going to invite? Who am I going to invite again? Who am I praying for and be praying for them this week? Heavenly Father, I pray right now for each heart, God, that is being prepared. Even now, a week ahead of time, you are working in lives to prepare people for the gospel, for the good news. Lord, and I pray for the friends and for the classmates. Lord, for the, 
the teammates and the people who are in their extracurricular activities with them and, and the people that are just family friends or neighbors or whoever it may be, God. Right now, we lift them up to you. Every student in here has a name and a face in their head, and they're lifting that person up to you, God. Knowing that your Holy Spirit can do a work even now to prepare them. Lord, I pray favor over these students. I pray that when they go to ask, Lord, that you would give them favor and that, that uh, God, they, that, that person that they ask, that they invite, would be receptive to that invitation. Lord, I pray for confidence and courage. I know it can be hard to invite somebody to church, especially if you've done it before and they've turned you down. God, I pray for courage on each and every student right now, Lord. Courage to invite somebody. Courage to, in, to bring somebody, Lord. To not just assume they're going to say no, but to take a chance to step out in faith with the faith of a mustard seed. Lord, you said you can move mountains. And so I pray, God, that these students would have that courage to step out in faith this week and invite that friend. God, I pray that you would soften hearts. Soften hearts, Lord, and, and, and work the ground so that the gospel message will fall onto good ground next week. God, I pray for these students as well, Lord. I pray, sick, I pray healing on sick bodies. I pray focus on those who are struggling in school, God. I pray, uh, God, that you would just move in their lives in ways I don't know. I pray that you would restore relationships. Lord, that, that you would restore bodies and, and relatives who are sick, Lord. But God, above all, I pray that these students would keep the main thing the main thing. That they would continue to be focused on what you have them focused on first and foremost. Not that those other things are bad, Lord, but that we know that above all, you are what is truly good. And that you would, like that song said, break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, let us not be able to look that person in the eye. Let us not be able to, to go to that class with that person without our heart breaking a little bit inside. Knowing that their eternity is not settled. That if, God forbid, a car accident were to happen this week or, or something else horrible like that were to happen, Lord, that that friend would not spend eternity with you as is your desire. God, break our hearts for that. God, I pray that you would bless each student, that you would give us, Lord, that life to the full that you promised in John 10.10. 10. That our relationship with you would be so vibrant, God, so, so full that our life would just be abundant. God, we would live life to the fullest in every possible way. God, because we know that that is the plan that you have for us. God, that when we walk in your will, you'll take care of the rest. God, we thank you. We love you. Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.